Welcome back, dear listener, to another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Catherine McLeod, and with me, one of my usual co-hosts, Liam. It's so great to have you back. How are you, first off? I'm uh, recovering after a 20-day run of straight footy, which gives me a chance to (laughs) get a breather. It's weird not having footy today. It's weird not having football today. It is. What uh, a marathon it was. Yeah, a lot of a lot to unpack as well from it, I think it's fair a to say. A lot to unpack. We'll start off this episode unpacking the footy festival, the footy bonanza, the footy sprint by discussing which teams were the biggest positive surprises coming out of that stretch. And Liam, you can go first. Um, well, for me, one of the teams, which I think did reasonably well, uh, I don't know if I'd say they were the absolute best, but one for me, which I think have definitely done themselves a favour throughout the uh, stretch was Richmond. I think they've re-established themselves as one of the best in the comp. I think a lot of people were at you know the beginning of the bonanza, if you would like to call it that, um, concerned as to whether Richmond were going to get back to, you know, their 2017 through 19 form. Um, and they managed to pick up three wins in the four available, uh, obviously with a, a loss to Port Adelaide. But, you know, they demolished uh, Brisbane. They obviously last night got over the line against Gold Coast in what was a fairly sketchy game. And they also demolished the Bulldogs. So I think that for me, uh, Richmond's impressive run, more or less, uh, probably is my pick for best team during the Bonanza. I think for me, it has to be Geelong. Because looking at the beginning of the fixture, for me, Richmond, I kind of thought the Tigers were going to do well. And I looked at the fixtures, I looked at who they were playing, and I thought, yeah, the Tigers are going to do at least okay here. Maybe not to the extent that they did, but I thought that they were going to do okay. I was not expecting Geelong at all to have the impressive successes they had. So just looking at their fixture here, round nine, honourable loss to the Eagles in Perth. Ain't no shame in that. Ain't no shame in that. Only nine points, one of the games of the year, right? They were leading. They kind of choked it away. It's okay. It's a good effort. Crush the Kangaroos, solid victory, right? Despite how poor North Melbourne have been, not a lot of teams have actually put them away this year. So Geelong were able to do that. But it's round 11 and round 12 where I thought Geelong were most impressive because I thought that the Cats were going to lose both of these games. However, come Monday, the 10th of August, they put the Saints to the sword in a 59-point smashing. And then round 12, they demolished Essendon by 35 points on Sunday, August 16th. They are really well placed. Uh, no, I got the teams wrong. I'm sorry. I just had a massive brain freight. Geelong haven't played Essendon yet. They'll probably beat Essendon by five goals, so let's admit it. Um, this is what happens when you record a podcast on five hours of sleep. Anyways, Geelong didn't play Essendon round 12. They played Port Adelaide, and they won by 60 points. Sorry. <laughs> and it was an impressive victory against a team that is still leading the competition on the ladder raised real doubts about the power. And I think for me, the last two weeks confirmed 
that I think Geelong's premiership favourites at the moment, or at least they should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably with you on that. I think that Geelong have been exceptional um, during this run, and I think they probably have asserted themselves as the premier team in the comp, at least form-wise, at the moment. And, um, yeah, they look as good as, you know, any team at the moment. And I think there's a few other teams which are kind of sniffing around at a similar level. But I think Geelong right now are the team to beat. Agreed. Any other team that impressed or didn't impress? Um, oh, I think we should touch upon Melbourne, right? Round nine, looking back at round nine, they lost to Port Adelaide by 51 points, right? They were looking like a bottom six team on that night. They were so bad. The turnovers were so awful. And then they did what good teams do, win games that they should win and win them well. They crushed Adelaide by 51 points in round 10. Round 11, they followed that up also at the Adelaide Oval with a 57-point hammering of North Melbourne. And keep in mind, the Kangaroos are a team that for the longest time had the wood over Melbourne. The Ds couldn't beat the Kangas. They put the ruse to the sword. Round 12 was a little bit different. Round 12, they took on a team that was higher placed than them, that many people thought at the time was closer to the premiership than them. And they demolished you guys. 56 points. I mean, gosh darn. That's impressive. So I think Melbourne, for me, has to be Geelong first because I think Geelong has stamped its premiership credibility. And Melbourne, because they stamped their finals credibility. And I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne makes the finals and makes a full mockery of me tipping them for the wooden spoon back in early June. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, Melbourne do deserve at least to be amongst the talk uh, for the best team during, you know, the footy festival. Because, yeah, like you said, they won the games that they should. Uh, and then they also managed to get over the line in games, which, you know, were fairly evenly, uh, you know, debated to even, you know, slightly underdog status that they were. So I think that that's, you know, credit to Melbourne starting to turn things around. They're looking good. What about Sydney? Now, no, 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 no. Okay, I know, I know they only won one game during this stretch. But what a win it was to... But let's admit, right, it wasn't a win. They pulverized the Giants. They crushed the Giants, okay? They listened to the Giants theme song before the game and said to themselves, no, we're going to be the ones doing the stomping and the marching. We're going to be the ones making the big, big sound over here in the west of the country, all right? And they did exactly that. Now, the rest of the tournament, they had a bye in round 11. Round 10... They nearly beat Collingwood. They had Collingwood on the ropes for most of that game. It took a little bit of Peter Dacos magic at the end of that game. Did I say Peter Dacos? Josh Dacos magic <laughs> at the end of that game. Sorry, I got confused. They look so similar, um, especially with their freakish footy talent. Um, they nearly beat Collingwood. And the St. Kilda game, yes, yeah, true, they lost by... 53 points. 
but we forget how good the Saints are when it comes to that margin. And really, looking at the last quarter, they were only 20 points behind in the last term. Sydney, they let the game balloon out in the last term. But all in all, the Swans have been really impressive, and it's so sad that Rampy is now out for the rest of the year um, with a another injury to his hand. Devastating. Mm. Devastating for that team. But yeah, so yeah. For, me, for me, Sydney... Sydney's coming third. What about for you? Yeah, I, I think Richmond would still take third for me, but I think there's definitely positive signs for Sydney. Um, and I think this weekend when they play uh, Fremantle, I think that's going to be a very interesting game because I think Fr- Fremantle are similar to Sydney. I think that they're starting to look on the up and I think it's a, a game of two teams who have just started to put together a little bit of an impressive run. And I think that could uh, kind of be a a test for each of them against a team that are kind of at a similar point in their season at the moment. We should talk about this. I know we didn't, I know we didn't write it down in our little plan here for this episode, but we should discuss this. Was it a free kick? The last 20 seconds, last 15 seconds of the Carlton Fremantle game. The two free kicks I want to look at, the deliberate out of bounds and the down the field, while we'll also touch upon whether or not Nunes should have gotten it. The AFL's come out and said that the one thing that they would do differently if they had their time again was give it to Gibbons and not to Nunes because Gibbons was closer. Now, I can't believe that the umpires made that mistake. I cannot believe that. If he missed then it wouldn't matter. But since he kicked it, that's unbelievable to me. But I want to yeah. hear your opinion. Was the deliberate out-of-bounds free kick there? I think that it was there. And I think that the down the field also was probably justified. But I, I also, I remember watching it and thinking, hang on a minute, why, why is Nunes taking this? I swear Gibbons was right there. And for me, that's where I think and I think the AFL, you know, they've come out and they've said what they've said, and I think they got it right, you know. I think the ultimately the free kicks were there, but I think the decision on who took the free kick down the field was the mistake. Um, and, again, like we were saying, had it not gone in, probably wouldn't be any discussion, but ultimately footy is a game of fine margins, and in this case that mistake may have cost Fremantle the game. It may have cost Fremantle. Because, let's admit it, they probably wouldn't have made a miraculous run to the finals. But now they can't. Well, they mm-hmm. mathematically they can, but it's going to have to take, like, several dominoes to fall their way. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But um, I agree. The deliberate out-of-bounds was a little iffy. I thought that he wasn't trying to hit it at a bounce, so if he was, I thought he disguised it well enough that it was just in front of him, that he was going to try and run on and pick it up, right? I thought that that's what he was going to try and do when he just miscued, right? That's what I thought when I first watched it. The uh, the down the field, when I watched it live, I thought it was there, but watching it on replay and uh, replay after replay after replay, 
I realized that I, th I think it's really harsh. Actually, I think it's really, really harsh because uh, Brayshaw, I think it was, went in with the bump. And I think you're allowed to bump a player as he kicks it, right? And so he went to bump the Carlton player mistimed it by a second or two, but he was already up in the air. Like you can't, I understand if the Carlton player kicked it, then Brayshaw jumped after he kicked it. Then that's down the field every day of the week ending in Y. But why was this a free kick? I don't under, like it, it, he can't stop his momentum. It's not like you jump in the air moving in a direction and then all of a sudden if you want to change you can just go in a different direction hit the force field yeah hit the force field or just immediately just crumple to the floor like what do you think of course the momentum's going to continue okay sorry the laws of physics ain't work like that all right and i nearly failed physics and i understand that at least i'm 99 percent sure that i'm right on that somebody who understands physics might be able to contradict me here but do you understand physics well, I did do uh, year 12 PE and I understand the whole idea of momentum and, uh, you know, deceleration and all that kind of things. And I'm with you on the idea that once you're kind of in the air on your way, kind of, you know, without planting yourself on the ground, you're not really going to be able to stop yourself in midair. So it's understandable where you're coming from. I'm pretty sure that's Newton's fourth law. One player jumping up in the air, moving in a certain direction, heading towards <laughs> another player equals don't pay a free kick for that i'm fairly certain i remember learning that i'm like i'm like 50 percent certain of learning that but well pretty simple just go up to isaac newton and just you know broach the subject with him and uh yeah yeah absolutely there. absolutely he's a massive Fremantle fan to isaac newton so i'm sure he has staunch opinions um which teams were awful. We discussed the positives and now we have to discuss the negatives. And I'm sure we'll get to two of the teams uh, later that we're going to mention right now as sucking uh, during this little stretch. Essendon and Collingwood. The Bombers and the Magpies. The two arch rivals. The two of two of the biggest clubs in the country of any sport uh, in a spot of bother for similar and yet very different reasons. Collingwood is in a spot of bother because your premiership window is open and won't stay open for long. And we are under pressure because our premiership window can't even open. It's jammed shut. We're trying everything to break in to the Premiership house and we can't do it. Okay, we tried the Premiership screwdriver. We tried, the, we tried to get the strongest guy on the team to just wrench the window open and it's not there. It's staying closed. Not to mention both teams have been hit with a plague-like level of injury. I'm talking about the biblical plague, not the plague we're currently dealing with. So, for you, as a Collingwood supporter, we were, we were going to discuss this later, but let's discuss this now. Which, why, why are Collingwood awful? 
Well, uh, this could be something which I could talk about all day. Um, <laughs> as a Collingwood supporter, there's a whole multitude of reasons where I think things have gone wrong for us. Um, and it goes back beyond just the footy festival for me. I think this goes back to probably early on since the restart. I think Collingwood's style of play has lots of problems, first of all. I think that they play extremely... I think part of it's down to the opposition. I think the opposition in most of the Collingwood games have actually played quite well, with the exception of a couple. But you look at Fremantle, who beat us during this kind of footy festival, their uh, pressure was literally off the charts. Um, and then you look at, you know, uh, t other teams just in general who have beaten us this year. And, you know, Essendon, uh, West Coast, uh, you know, to name a few, there's probably more that I'm just completely breezing over here, but they've also played some of their best games of the year against us. So I think that's the first thing which is causing Collingwood problems. I think the opposition are bringing out one of their best performances, if not their best of the year. Um, but like I said earlier, I think our, our style of play is, I think it's far too slow for the majority of the game. I think we try to play this slow game plan, um, which I understand has a place in the game at certain points. But I think Collingwood are a team that's a smaller team, which works best keeping the ball moving quick. And, you know, uh, that favours our small team. We don't have many tall guys, which is why playing it slow doesn't necessarily work. You know, kicking to contests, we're very, we're like a, a, a bit of a flea squad in a sense. You know, we're not towering mountains who are going to stand there and, you know, take big grabs like, uh, you know, your Darlings and your Kennedys and your forward lines, for instance. Um, and then I think it's, like you said, I think the injuries have caught up with Collingwood. Um, I think, you know, they're missing at least one, if not two players at in each section of the pitch who are important. You know, you've got Tagoe in the forward line. You've got Trelaw in the midfield. Uh, you had Cybottom and Pendlebury both had stints out of the midfield. You've got Howe out of the defence. Um, and then you've got a whole bunch of other, like, you know, players who fill out other positions who are either in the team every week or in and out of the team. You know, Langdon's been out for 12 months. Quainer has that horrible gash to his leg. Um, Kelly broke his arm, I think. So, and again, there's probably a few others I've forgotten. Ben Reed injured himself again this weekend. So, yeah, Collingwood's injury list, uh, their play style, and I think the opposition have been the three reasons that Collingwood are in the current position they're in. I'm just Googling Essendon's injury list. Because it's so long, I've forgotten who's on it. Um, let's see if I can find it. Because David Zaharakis has been added to it. He's out for the year. Uh, okay, I'm not sure exactly when this was last updated. Four days ago. Okay, so we have currently out David Zaharakis. Of our best 22, David Zaharakis, Dyson Heppel, Joey Danaher, Patrick Ambrose, Jaden Laverde, Jake Stringer, Arazio Fantasia, Cale Hooker, Tom Bell Chambers. And this injury list says Jacob Townsend, but that was before he played on the weekend. Put those players, put, put, okay, put four of those players, any of those players in any team in the competition, and immediately they are at least contesting for finals. Even with, even if you take the team that that is awful, that is the definition of oh god, stop playing, please! It's so terrible to watch. 
it's so they they the definition of whenever somebody plays them that that definition of that simpsons meme stop stop he's already dead right they're the definition of that team the adelaide crows this these any of those four players playing in the adelaide crows team they'll at least finish like 10th maybe ninth at least they might not win a final <laughs> they'll probably make it. <laughs> but for me, again, similar to you, we just can't score at the moment. Essendon, we can't score because we have no one in the forward line. But it's also a, a question of, of gameplay, right? It's a question of gameplay. It's a question of accuracy. It's a question because the loss against Brisbane was bad. 10 goals is always a bad loss, especially in a shortened season, right? It was so bad. Even Mitch Robinson was angry with how terrible Essendon was playing. To, to only kick three goals in a game of football is really, really bad. But we kicked, I think, like five behinds in the third and fourth quarter for like a goal. Imagine if it was the other way around. We don't win but it's not the percentage sapping loss that it was. So you got to hit the, you know, goal kicking practice. Do that the entire yeah. goal kicking practice. But for me as well, it's a question of pressure, right? We, 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 we swamped you guys in round five. We swamped the Kangas. Our best play, our best games of the year have been games where we've been able to, to envelop the opposition in a red and black hug and not let go. Our worst games have been when we crumbled under the same pressure from the opposition. Now, I want to ask you this as a Collingwood, as a Collingwood supporter. Do you think that the off-field drama this year, and I mean everything, everything, from the Jordan Degoe assault allegations to the Heretia Lumumba allegations of racism to Nathan Buckley and um, Sanderson deciding to have a tennis match uh, to the uh, to um, steel side bottom uh, deciding that for some reason the toilet was behind his front door. Um, do you think that that has helped contribute? Oh, the real reason why I want to ask is how much, do, uh, how much of this terrible form do you lay at the feet of Eddie Maguire for his, let's admit it, dumb, dumb comments, hypocritical comments? Uh, first you hear that, of all... Eddie? You hear that, Eddie? <laughs> dumb with a capital U. <laughs> First of all, on the topic of Sanderson and Buckley um, playing tennis, I've recently got myself a new table tennis table, and I can vouch for the fact that tennis can be quite addictive. So I can understand the idea of maybe they got caught in the mood and look, just couldn't stop playing. Look, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Tennis is great. Once you get the rush, you always chasing that original, that original tennis adrenaline. I get it. I totally get it. But um, yeah, you know, Collingwood is probably as newsworthy as any club in the country at the moment because there's constant news surrounding Collingwood as there is most years um, but 
Yeah, there's been a lot of controversy around us this year in particular. Um, but I think, you know, we're a professional outfit. I don't think that the off-field scandals has probably affected our mentality. It has affected the squad, obviously, because Cybottom had to be out and obviously Dugowie took a week off, I think, smartly, um, <laughs> considering everything that was going on. Came back the next week, kicked five and then got injured that week, which kind of blew us into a bit of a forward line issue, which seemingly is like you guys, one of our key problems. Uh, the game against Sydney was just the worst thing to watch as a Collingwood supporter. We had, I think, like 20 to 3 forward 50 entries, and it was like one goal to Sydney to zero for us. It was, yeah. I think at one stage... I was like trying we to smash leading, my head through a wall. <laughs> I think at one stage we were leading five goals straight to Collingwood, like 110. Yeah. One team... Okay, so we'll discuss the umpires in a second. But uh, Collingwood, it can't help to have your president being the the media figure that he is, right? I understand sometimes if your team is underperforming, coming out and saying this is unacceptable, like the Melbourne uh, Melbourne president did a couple a few weeks ago after the Port Adelaide game. I totally get that, right? But I think it's okay for him to do that because, A, he's not in the media a lot, so there's not a conflict of interest. You know, he's not commentating AFL games like Eddie Maguire is, right? And number two, he's not being hypocritical. Eddie Maguire, right, here he was, big shot Eddie Maguire, talking about how there needs to be discipline for anyone who breaks the COVID-19 restrictions. And as soon as it was a Collingwood guy, he's like, oh, well, you know, it happens to all of us. Sometimes we walk out the wrong door when we're drunk. Okay. Well, what about Nathan Buckley? You're his boss. Pull him into line. Say to him, look, I get it. I love tennis too. But you got to pull yourself together at least until the end of the season. I'm going to just pack up that tennis kit just a couple of weeks at least. I haven't heard what he said about Elijah Taylor, the Sydney Swan star, who stupidly, his girlfriends decided to do a Mission Impossible sneaking to the hotel that they were quarantining at. Obviously, it didn't work. Um, I haven't Another heard... A very addictive circumstance. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard what... Yeah, look, maybe she really wanted to stay at that hotel. I've heard that hotel is quite beautiful at this time of year. But I, I haven't heard Eddie Maguire talking about that incident. But I swear to goodness, if he comes out and he says that the ban on the rest of the season for Elijah Taylor what should stand, I'm going to flip this pile of books on my bedside table. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to flip them. And then we're going to put them very neatly back to where they were. I think it's in Maguire and everyone's best interest that he doesn't commentate on other clubs uh, behind the door scandals. I think that that's for everyone's best interest. For Collingwood, for Maguire, and for the the whole football community, um, him discussing scandals is probably not necessarily something needed even though he is on the, every you know 
sphere of the major, it seems. Mm. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Uh, plus, I don't like the man anyway, so less media time for him to that up. But anyways, moving on from trashing Eddie Maguire, we mentioned that Geelong, uh, we said that Geelong's well-placed to win this year's flag, but are they the best-placed team, the Cats, to win this year's flag? Who else do you think is up there at the moment? West Coast, surely. Seven in a row. Seven in a row. Yeah. Um, it has to be those two, I think. They're, they're the, the front runners. I think that their form, those two, speaks for itself. Uh, West Coast, obviously, like you said, seven in a row in Geelong, who seem to be able to dismantle any team they want at the moment. Um I think those are the two obvious ones. I think no one's going to argue that those two are probably the favourites right now. But I do think, obviously, um, Richmond, uh, Port Adelaide are both still uh, on in the scene, probably like the, the tier below those top two. And then you've probably got a third tier who are all kind of, you know, not right in the hunt, but if they can get themselves back on track potentially, I think you're looking at probably Brisbane uh, as the main team in that kind of position um but yeah i I think that at the moment there's only really two to three proper contenders right now i don't think west coast should be in the discussion for the premiership i don't think they should be in the discussion for the premiership i'll explain why so at home they are unbeatable this season at home Who's going to beat them? They play this weekend, which we will discuss the Giants. Giants at home? <laughs> please. Easy. Give us a challenge, AFL, please. But after that, they head back east, back to a hub where they struggled at for the beginning of this year, for whatever reason, right? They're, they're kryptonite. <laughs> they're kryptonite. The Gold Coast is their kryptonite. And not only do they play just any old has-been, it's not like they play unless ones. No, they play good teams there. They play Richmond in round 14. In round 15, just checking here, they play Essendon. Well, they should win that. Round 16, they play the Western Bulldogs. Could be a challenging game, potentially. They then play the Saints in round 17. In round 18, they play North Melbourne. Yet to be confirmed where that game is going to be taking place. But it won't be in Perth because it's a North Melbourne home game. Currently, (laughs) on the ladder at the moment, they have lost just three games. But all those three games have been outside Perth. So if that continues, you would think that they're good enough to win at least one or two of those games in Queensland. You know, they should beat the Bombers and they should beat North Melbourne. But if they lose the remaining three games against Richmond, the Western Bulldogs, and St. Kilda, six losses, 10 wins, six losses, I don't know if that's good enough for them to sit inside the top four. And you know how difficult it is for for any team to win from outside the top four. Only two teams in the history of the AFL, not the VFL, when the VFL became the AFL in 1990, only two teams have won it 
from outside the top four, the Crows in, I think, 98, and the Dogs, obviously, in 2016, when the umpires handed them the 2016 Premiership. I'm yeah. joking, Doggies fans. I'm joking. <laughs> Relax. You guys deserve to win. Just, geez, that free kick count was as lopsided as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah, I, I'm with you, though, that um, I think this is a very deciding uh, period for West Coast. I think the Gold Coast, you know, round two for them is essentially their chance to establish themselves as one of the favourites, I think. It, it, I can understand where you're coming from, but I still think it's worth, you know, saying that 7-0 can't go unnoticed at home or away. So I think that they're in the picture, but I think that this next run of games on the Gold Coast will be deciding as to whether they are actually contenders as opposed to in the discussion. If they get an away qualifying final, they won't win the premiership because I don't think they can win away. Because who... who oh. Who's going to finish? Who's going to finish in the top four? Right, Port might, St Kilda might, Brisbane maybe Geelong. So unless it's Port Adelaide that they play in Adelaide, then it will be in Queensland. You would think against either Brisbane, St Kilda, Geelong, maybe Richmond. But six teams can't fit into four spots. And the premiership logjam is like that little um that little thing at hospitals for children whenever they would like try to like fit, you know, the triangle into the square piece or the circle into the to the diamond shape. At the moment, the AFL finals, the top four is the diamond piece. And the AFL season is trying to jam in the square piece into that. And it's not fitting. And sooner rather than later the toddler's going to figure out that it's the wrong shape. And I think the Eagles are going to be squeezed out. Moving on. Next question. Which team outside the eight is best placed to snatch a place in October footy? Looking at the top eight, to remind the listeners who are actually in the top eight, Port Adelaide first, Brisbane second, Geelong third, West Coast fourth, St. Kilda fifth, Richmond sixth, Collingwood seventh, Melbourne eighth. Just outside the top eight, the Giants are in ninth, the Dogs in tenth, Essendon eleventh, Carlton twelfth, and the Suns in thirteenth. Surely no one from under thirteenth can make it. So we can almost rule out Fremantle, Sydney, Hawthorne. We could definitely rule out North Melbourne. And if Adelaide somehow made finals from here, I am giving up following football because that would just be too weird. Uh, for me, I've just had a quick look through the fixtures and I think the latter tells the story for this question. I think GWS are probably my pick in terms of the teams outside the eight currently to make it into the finals if any of the teams currently outside the eight. Um, they've got West Coast coming up this week, but then after that, they've got a fairly winnable run after that where they play the likes of uh, Adelaide, Carlton... Uh, to name a few. And then the last couple of games, I, I remember correctly, they've got a couple of, you know, challenging games against, um, I think St Kilda was one. They and played Melbourne. Melbourne who, yeah, Melbourne 17. as well. And they That's played St Kilda. That's going to be a, a, an interesting one. Around yeah. 18. So they put, yeah, so those last few games are definitely going to be 
challenging games. Um, but they've got a fairly winnable run after West Coast for the next two, three weeks after that. So I think of the teams currently outside the eight, they're, well, first of all, they're best positioned, but also I think their run is fairly winnable and uh, achievable to get inside the eight. I'm just looking at the fixture for the dogs, just trying to familiarise myself with it. Uh, it won't be the dogs looking at their fixture. It is brutal. It is really, really tough. So it won't be the dogs. Unlike the Giants, who don't have a challenging game after round 13 into round 17 or 18, the Dogs don't have an easy game until round 17 when they play the Hawks. And then round 18, they play the Dockers. Round 13, they play the Deeves. On form, you would tip Melbourne, surely. Round 14, they play Geelong. No, they won last year's game in incredible circumstances after Harry Taylor shanked the shot after the siren. Round 15, they have Dubai. Round 16, they play West Coast. Yeah, the dogs aren't making it. Uh, Essendon, we play West Coast, Port Adelaide, Geelong, Richmond, and a rejuvenated Melbourne. We ain't making it either. <laughs> and knowing our luck, we'll probably lose to Hawthorne too. Oh, well. Uh, Carlton. What about Carlton? What about the Blues? Could they make it? They play the Suns, then they play Collingwood, and what's going to be a mammoth game. They play the Giants in what's a winnable game. They play the Swans in a game that on form you would probably think that they would win. They play Adelaide in a game that they should win before playing Brisbane in round 18. So from round 13 to 17, they're almost favorites in all those matches. Why can't Carlton make it? They can't make it because I couldn't deal with it if Carlton made finals. That's why they can't make it. Um, I can I can already see what's going to happen. I can already see Carlton beating us and probably overtaking us on the ladder and then making it in the finals, which would absolutely make me want to puke. Um, how about this? I, I, yeah. How about this? How about this? How about this? I'm predicting that Carlton will finish in the eighth and Collingwood will finish ninth. It's very possible. Um, but, yeah, I, I think after GWS, Carlton are probably my second pick to, if anyone's going to make it, maybe squeeze in there. The only reason why I don't think the Giants can make it, I'm just looking at your fixture just to see who you guys have coming up. You play Port Adelaide in the last round. Who knows which power team's going to show up. If it's the premiership potential power, then I'll say no. If it's the pitiful non-premiership potential power, then I'll say you guys probably can win that. Also, how about that for alliteration? What up? Grade 11 English. Um, you play Carlton, Brisbane, Gold Coast will give you a challenge. You should wallop North Melbourne this round. But anyways, the only reason why I think that Giants can't make it is because of how poorly they've been playing. They've been so average. Think about this, right? They kicked three goals in a game against a team that heading into that match were 17th on the ladder. All three goals came from free kicks. And all of those free kicks shouldn't have been given in the first place. Right? The Swans won by 41 points. 66 to 25. They should have won by 59 points. 66 to 7. It would have been the lowest score in who knows how long 
It would have been easily the lowest score in the Giants' history, and they wouldn't even be talked about as premiership contenders anymore. Well, I, I mean, I've got to agree on the fact that I don't think they're in the premiership talk at the moment. I can't uh, believe it, I ever it, had them for the flag. It's, it's crazy to, to, to even... I, I mean, there, there's certain circumstances where you could still make the argument, but at this point in the season, anyone outside the eight, it's very hard to you know, justify calling them a premiership you know, contender. Um, but I do think that the Gold, uh, Gold Coast, blimey, GWS uh, have the quality to turn things around. They've got a really good team with not uh, too bad an injury list, pretty much, unless I'm mistaken, fairly, you know, fit team without, you know, too many injuries. So, you know, I think that them and Carlton uh, are definitely my picks, if anyone, currently outside the eight to make a push for the, uh, to make it come what will probably be late October or early November. At this that's, rate. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? They don't have a lot of injuries and they're playing like rubbish. If they had injuries, at least I could say, okay, well, they have like Ward out or they have like Taranto out or they have Kelly out, right? I would understand partially, right? And they've had a lot of injuries over the last few seasons. So I would understand. But they don't, they have a nearly fully fit list and they are playing like ants versus ant eaters. That's what it's like watching the Giants. They are the greater Western Sydney ants and every single team that they have played over the last four weeks have been the ant eaters. Yeah, there's a lot of problems at the Giants, you know, and I think they've just got to go back to what worked for them uh, predominantly in the last couple of seasons. I think, you know, they've got an incredible list uh, of players who have now, you know, had a couple of years under their belt of, you know, competing, you know, uh, at, you know, the serious end of the year. And I think for them, it's, you know, just about trying to get back to getting those players playing their best football and to, yeah, just beating teams that they should be beating because they've got such a good team that there's no excuses for some of the teams that they've been losing to lately, I think. Cameron sucks. Finlayson sucks. That brings me a lot of joy to hear that. I do not like Finlay's. I despise that name. Hey, Sorry least, if you're listening. But at least he didn't like pull. Him. At least he didn't pull the sh- celebration <sighs> on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, such a stirrer. For those who don't know, Liam's second team are the, are the dogs. And last year during the elimination final, when Finlayson did the celebration to the Bulldogs portion of the crowd, Liam sent me a text message about how much he disliked. Uh, disliked um, Finlayson for being quote-unquote cocky. So I can guarantee you I watched that game on the weekend and his finger was firmly away from his face. No shush celebration oh, yeah. anyway. We, we got to move on. We got to move on to some more major talking points. The Crows are playing youth. North Melbourne are finally starting to do that, as are the Hawks, Finally. What does this mean for the older players at these clubs? Will we see the likes of Tex, Cunnington, Stratton, Popolo, Sloan, Crouch, both of them, all of them, be traded? Or should they retire? Who should, who should retire? Who should hang up the boots and 
which teams should the rest be traded to if they should be traded at all? That was a long-winded way of asking that question. Uh, I think that North Melbourne, I think, I think, okay, let's be realistic. This season is one to forget for North Melbourne. This was a year where they hoped under sure that they could turn things around. Hasn't really gone as planned. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's been a lot of debate around, you know, what players are to blame and what players do and don't deserve to continue, you know, playing for this team. Um, and, you know, arguably it's justified. I think some of them, you know, should be pulling their socks up and doing better. But I think that completely turning to the youth would probably be a mistake, I think, for um, for North Melbourne. I think that they've got to, if they're going to find any sort of form and breathe some life into this team, you know, heading through for next season, looking ahead, I know, I think that they need to have their best players in the team giving them a chance to find some kind of form. Um, so I think that that's the first thing I'd say in regards to that long-winded question. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we also you also mentioned the likes of Hawthorne and Adelaide um, and, you know, their, you know, choice to play youth. I think, I think Adelaide, it makes sense. I think that they're, they've got a, probably the smallest list of, kind of middle to older age players that can, you know, help that team. But I think Hawthorne and North Melbourne still have a reasonably good pool of middle to older age players who can still definitely help their team get back on track. Who does North Melbourne have who's an or mid to old player? who is playing really well this year? Really well is probably a stretch, but I think Higgins has definitely had his games where he's kind of put the team on his back, but not to the level that he had done in, you know, the last couple of years, granted. Higgins, okay. So Goldstein... Oh, Todd Goldstein... Let's, let's actually let's not forget how good Goldstein has been this year. He has been a revelation. He's leading the he was leading the clearances the last time I saw. <laughs> yeah, but it hasn't done anything for that team. Yeah, well, you need more than two or three players playing well for a team to do well. It is a team sport. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And it's not like basketball where you can have one or two really good players carrying a team full of has-beens. <laughs> I stole that commentary, the by the sport. way. I stole that commentary from someone else, by the way. I don't know anything about basketball. Who knows? Maybe basketball is a team sport. I don't know. Anyways, um, I think uh, Tex should retire but stay on as a mentor role for the for the younger players. Uh, his best playing years are behind him. You know, his last good game was the 2017 prelim final. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry this to say that has been very, very out of the blue. I think it was fair to say he went from one of the best forwards in the game to like a C to D standard forward in the space of about six months. He's a has been, he and is, maybe that's harsh, but he's a has been. 
He very much is. I think the only one I know for certain that I'm confident on is that texture of attire. We talked about the giants. We mentioned the problems that they have. How do they fix them? And should they tank the rest of the year? Because it's obvious to me that they won't win the flag anyways. Should they tank the rest of the year in order to try and get a higher draft pick that they can then trade for someone else? Or draft a, a good youngster? If they do miss the finals, does this mean that Leon the Ferrari Cameron's time at the Giants has finally ran out of petrol? Or gas for any Americans listening? <laughs> uh, on the topic of Cameron, I don't think so. I think that the 2018 Grand Final, as abysmal as a showing as it was, is enough for the Giants to have faith that he can get them to the serious end of the season. So I think that he's got a bit more than just one bad season kind of uh, leniency, I suppose. Um, as for their problems, I mean, I'm not someone who watches every Giants game. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, that's something which I think, you know, every team has their problems. I think the Giants at the moment just have... It's it's a weird problem because it's like like I said that with the players they've got and the fairly you know uh, what's the word I should use for this not as bad injury lists as <laughs> most teams in the competition or at least the teams around them there isn't really a lot of excuses that can be made for their seemingly abysmal form so like I said I think it's just about getting back to basics. You know, getting those big players that you've got back to where they should be playing um, and getting Finn Layson to just keep his lips shut and keep his fingers away from his face. Especially <laughs> in COVID times, don't have your fingers near your face, keep your hands away from your face. Um, giants, right. Giants, 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 giants. They aren't playing like giants at the moment. They're playing like gnomes they're playing like garden gnomes <laughs> because as soon as it's like as soon as anything goes near them their system breaks down they're like garden gnomes at the moment okay they're the great and western sydney gnomes okay gnomeo gnomeo where art thou gnomeo well he's not playing finals this year but for me cameron has had an opportunity to build on what Kevin Sheedy and the AFL uh, has laid out for the Giants, right? And he's done a great job at turning the Giants into a contender. But like Ross Lyon at St. Kilda and then Fremantle, he has proven himself thus far to be incapable of taking the Giants to the next level. And with the list that they have had and with the run of injuries they've had this year, that is unacceptable. So maybe it's a little harsh if he gets fired this year, but if they underperform next year as well and don't win the flag, it's bye-bye Mr. Cameron, just like the aftermath of the Brexit vote in 2016. We touched yeah. on this in, Sorry, you go. 
yeah, I, I think he's going to be there next year. I think it's just, I think next year will be pretty decisive. I think, you know, again, being realistic, they're probably not going to win the premiership this year to take what would be one of the most remarkable efforts turnaround-wise from this point of the season to do so. But I do think he's going to be given the chance to, you know, redeem himself, I suppose, next year. And on, on the topic of tanking, which I remember you mentioning a few minutes ago, I don't think any team has ever seriously said to themselves, let's tank the remaining games to get draft picks. Although I think it, you know, definitely has a place in the game uh, should, you know, you want to do that. Um, I, I don't think any team, just for the sake of A, it looks bad uh, for the, for the you know, like I just think ultimately tanking is not only a bad look on a club, but it's a bad look on the whole structure of the way the game is designed. So I don't think they'll tank. Um, but, y- you know, you, you don't really know that stuff until, you know, you're inside the inner circle of a club and if they're thinking, well, we will just make it look like we're trying, you know. I don't know. Maybe they will, but I don't think yeah. that they're... When, when you're sitting in ninth spot on the ladder and ultimately you're still a chance, be it, for finals, I don't think any team would be thinking, you know, at that close to the finals spot that they are, let's just blow it and, you know, replace these gnomes with with some uh, exciting youngsters come the draft next season. Yeah. I agree with that one. It is probably really, 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 really rare if any professional sporting teams say to, you know, their players, okay, we're going to tank. But surely if one team is tanking this year, it's Adelaide. Now, when will the Crows next win a game? Looking at their fixture... They uh, they play Geelong, Hawthorne, GWS, Carlton, Richmond. Of those, you would think that Hawthorne on Tuesday, the 1st of September in round 15 would be their best opportunity. It's at home, despite it being designated a Hawthorne home game. It's at the Adelaide Oval because this season would be crazy like that. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of the games that the AFO had had scheduled for Tasmania before the Tasmanian Premier said, "Niet, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be allowed to come here." Which is fair enough because people got to be careful about COVID. But that's besides the point. Crows are playing at home against the Hawks, even though it's an away game for Adelaide. Surely they win this game. Surely they win this game. If they don't win this game, the next time they'll win a game is probably like round 20, 2022. Yeah, I think that um, they've got two, maybe three chances. But I think, like you said, that game's probably their best chance. <laughs> um, and if they don't win that, then there's a very good chance of looking at a winless year for the Crows, which, I mean, I don't like the Crows that much, but, you know, it would be good to see them at least get a win for the sake of you know, competitiveness, I suppose. I don't like them that much, but I don't hate them that much that I want them <laughs> to have a win this year. Yeah, I feel like for the sake of the competitiveness of the game, it's in the best interest that Adelaide win a game. Yeah. So I do say to you, Adelaide, go and win a game because it would be nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me. Sorry, Crows fans. We no longer fear you. We just pity you. After the Hawks game, though, 
they might beat the Giants round 16. Honestly, GWS playing that poorly, I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, that was the one which kind of stuck out to me as potentially, yeah, depending on how bad the Giants are going at that point. Yep. Agreed. Do Port Adelaide, speaking of Adelaide, the crosstown rivals, do the power deserve to finish on top of the ladder considering their three losses? Now, three losses, everyone's had at least a few bad games this year. I know Essendon's had a few. Uh, Port Adelaide's losses, though, have been really concerning, right? Bad loss against the Saints at home. Okay, bad. Okay, Brisbane, the game against Brisbane, they're playing at the Gabba. The Lions don't lose at the Gabba. Okay, fine. It's this, you know, it's a bad loss, but like, whatever. You know, you're allowed to have like an off night, and they had started the year, I think, with like five or six straight wins. So it's okay, right? That loss, you could kind of like put it like a little like blip on the radar. Fine, whatever. The loss against St. Kilda was worrying because it was a loss at home where I don't think they kicked a goal in the final quarter. Uh, you don't do that at home, especially against a team who you gave two players to, including a young, spectacular player, Dougal Howard, and the older but no less spectacular Paddy Ryder, both of whom carved you up, by the way, in that match, from what I remember. And then the Geelong loss. Yikes. Here was an opportunity for you to beat a team who's had the wood over you ever since a certain day in September 2007. I know that Port Adelaide have been crushed by bigger margins against by Geelong in matches since that day. But this was, and I know they met in the final in 2013, but this was the most important game between the two teams since the 2007 grand final. And Port failed dismally. Do they deserve to finish on top of the ladder? And if not, who does? It's going to be interesting as to who does get top spot because there's a lot of teams at the moment, as far as I'm concerned, who are in the running. Um, Port Adelaide themselves are definitely still there. Uh, Whether or not we believe that, that they deserve it obviously is up for debate. But Brisbane are there. Geelong, with the current form they're in, definitely have the capabilities to make up that one match deficit. And then there's West Coast who with a win against GWS this week, could get back on level points with those, with uh, Brisbane and Port. Now, obviously, West Coast have the problem of can they win in the Gold Coast? Um, but I think... I mean, I, I think ultimately, if you're sitting at the top of the ladder at this point, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, the, the word deserve, I think, is <laughs> is hard to say because at the end of the day, whoever finishes top will deserve it. Um, you know, okay, you might have a couple of lucky wins throughout the year and you might get lucky with, you know, not having injuries, etc. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a marathon this season. It's not a sprint. So if you've done the work over the, you know, the course of the 17, 18 rounds that we have this year, you'll deserve it. Especially with all the, you know, problems that we've had throughout the year. 
But I do think currently for me, the team who I'd be putting as favourite to make first is Geelong. They just look far too good for anyone at the moment. Um, but I think whoever does get top spot with everything that's gone on this year will deserve it regardless. Why not Brisbane? Why not Brisbane? I just think, I just think Brisbane, the last couple of games, just don't look like that powerhouse that they were earlier in the year. They're still getting the wins, and they still have a couple of games here and there where they you know, assert themselves and show that they're definitely going to be in the finals, obviously. But I do think that they're not quite having that run of form that they were having in the first, like the first to mid-run of the year. So I just think they're a little bit off the pace of the likes of Geelong, personally. But they're still in the they're still in obviously with a chance. Obviously, they are equal top as we speak. So obviously behind on percentage. But it is worth noting Geelong do have the best percentage in the competition, and that also could play a massive role. That's true. It could. Brisbane this year haven't lost a game that they should have won, with maybe the exception of round one back in March a million years ago. I'm not counting that though, because that was almost like a different season. Round one is a, is that long ago? That's right. Like I said, that was just like an extra game played at the end of last season. Exactly. Geelong, on the other hand, round three against Carlton was really bad because that loss was at home, and the margin flattered them. They squeaked past the demons. Just looking to see where else their bad performances have been. They lost to the Suns. The margin flattered Geelong. If Raul didn't get injured, it would have been closer. Okay, beat Brisbane. Good win. But then they lost to you guys. Only kicking five goals the whole game. No offense, but that's a bad loss. Well, one of the few things that Collingwood have done this season, which is impressive, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) They have been okay this year, Geelong. But Brisbane are winning ugly. And winning ugly wins you premierships, if not minor premierships. So that's why the Lions will finish on top for me. Although I will take a quick squeeze at the rest of the fixture for Brisbane. They play St. Kilda this weekend. Should be a good game, but on form and because it's at home, you would think that they would win. Round 14 by, round 15, they play Collingwood on form. You would probably take Brisbane. Round 16, they play Gold Coast. On form, you'd probably say Brisbane, although key clashes are typically uh, very difficult to predict. Sydney is next. They'll probably crush the Swans around 17. And round 18, they play Carlton. Honestly, even if they have just one more loss for the rest of the year, that would leave them 13 and 4. And on form... I struggle to see Port Adelaide making 13-4. and four. Yeah, I mean, you did mention that kind of mentality of winning ugly. And that, that is a very, um, I think, underrated factor. You know, at the end of the day, you know, w- winning is the, the, the aim of the game. It doesn't matter how you win, just that, that you win. Obviously, like we said, percentage helps. So, obviously, winning big is obviously a lot better than winning small. But... Ultimately, welcome, it's very, Brisbane. very, it's it's very, very rare that you'll see a season where more than one team, and in this case, almost never, just in general, where a team will go undefeated, which means that winning ultimately is just paramount over you know winning by huge margins. Um, 
And I think, you know, you look back over the last couple of seasons at teams who have topped the ladder at the end of the year. And, you know, like even Geelong last year, I don't think that Geelong last year won. I think there was a couple of games Geelong last year where they won ugly. So I am with you that Brisbane, granted, are still winning games that, you know, they're not performing to their fullest potential. So they're definitely one of the favourites, I think, to uh, get top spot. I'll make a case for Port Adelaide. They play Hawthorne, Sydney, North Melbourne, and Essendon before playing Collingwood in the final round. On form, no, none of those teams are good enough to beat the power. Congratulations, Port. It's your minor premiership to lose. Speaking of Geelong, though, can Chris Scott prove that 2011 wasn't a fluke? And can the Cats actually not completely fade away in finals? Can they perform well in late September, early October when finals start? I think they can. I think it's hard to, like, I mean, again, obviously I'm going to say that because I said that they're one of, if not my pick, to get top spot. So not exactly a surprise. But I think that, you know, this is probably Geelong's year, if any, in the sense that I think after this year, that's probably going to be it for a couple of years. You know, they lost Kelly uh, this year to West Coast, which many thought might be it. But they've managed to muster together enough results this year to make themselves a serious contender again. So I think that, you know, this is Chris Scott's chance to right the wrongs of the last couple of years. Right. Um, last couple of years, the last decade. <laughs> Geelong yeah, won okay. the, under, under Chris Scott in finals, right? Won the 2011 premiership all well and good. Though you can argue that that was largely built off of what Bomber Thompson built, but fine, whatever. Good win. First year as coach. Right. Great start. 2012, played one final, lost, eliminated. 2013, played three finals. Two of them you lost, eliminated in the third week. 2014, out in straight sets. Two losses, gone. 2015, didn't make finals. 2016, made finals. Won the qualifying final because Isaac Smith, being so cocky, he missed by about three meters or so. And then got smashed in the prelim final. Out. Eliminated. 2017. Got hammered by the Tigers. Bounced back. Had a good win against Sydney for your best win in finals since 2011. Only to have your pants pulled down by an Adelaide Crows team who now sucks. 2018. Barely stumbled into finals thanks to playing two of the worst teams in the competition that year. Gold Coast and Fremantle in the final two rounds. Beating them both by over 100 points. Only to lose to Melbourne comfortably in the first round. Out. Eliminated. 2019. Lost to Collingwood in an home qualifying final. Home final. The ground wouldn't have made any difference, though. The fact that you once again started slowly in a final is what cost you that game. Bounce back, beat the Eagles. Okay, fine. Fine, good. And then Tom Hawkins decided to channel Muhammad Ali. And he missed the Tigers game, in which you were up by like 21 points at halftime against a team 
who had probably mental demons from 12 months before when they lost that uh, prelim final against Collingwood. You had them on the ropes, and Tom Hawkins could only helplessly watch on as he squandered that away in the third quarter. Out eliminated. Okay, in that so stretch, kind of... since 2011, they won once in 2013, which was against a Port Adelaide team who was young. They had finished like bottom two or bottom four the year beforehand. So, you know, what's that? You know, like, congrats, you won a finals game, but really, who cares? 2016, they won narrowly because Isaac Smith missed. 2017, okay, you beat the Swans, good win. And 2019, you beat West Coast, another good win. Four times. And I get it. I get it. Those who are listening and saying, oh, what about the Bombers? Yeah, no, 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 no. I get it. But here's the difference. Essendon has only played in finals four times. Geelong has played in finals a lot more than that since 2011. And they have squandered it away. They have showed me nothing thus far this year to prove that this year will be any different. And for that reason and that reason alone, I cannot in good conscience have the Cats as premiership favorites. I cannot. I can't do that. Okay, so they've had a few bumps along the way to this year. <laughs> but but it looks like their form is coming good at the right time of the year. That's true. So, you know. And if they were to get Ablett back in time for finals, that would be a big boost. And I think, ironically, as I mean, a few people might disagree with me on this, but for someone of Ablett's age, having a bit of a break might be the thing that allows him to play at his best. I don't think he's coming. Uh, maybe he might not be coming back. He might be coming back. He might not be coming yeah. back this year. He might not. But if he, if, he, if he were to, I think a bit of a break for someone of his age with the legs as worn as he does have, that might be the thing that allows him to play at his best. But let's not speculate on... Speculate, I should say, not speculate. Let's not speculate on something that might not happen. They only beat Brisbane because of one really good quarter. They got crushed by the Giants in March. They haven't played Richmond yet. They lost to the Eagles. I'm not convinced that they can beat the really good teams in the competition they can match it with the very, very, very best. The Eagles, the Lions, the Tigers. Eagles, Lions, and Tigers. Oh my, they won't win this year's premiership, I don't think, Geelong. Now, feel free to come back and play this little clip again when I am inevitably, <laughs> pro inevitably proven wrong. Moving on. Come grand final week, this will be re-clipped and put in. And you'll be thinking, I'll right, play it oh, myself. This could be a problem. I'll play it myself. We'll start out the episode playing this clip. Round 13, Indigenous round. Friday night footy. Got to do the previews. It's Indigenous round again. I'm excited. There are two games in Darwin. I can't wait. Indigenous footy comes to the top end. Friday night football. The Suns in Friday night primetime footy. I'm so excited for this game. Gold Coast versus Carlton. The Suns have been very unlucky this year. Because out of their losses, two of them 
were pretty comfortable losses to Port Adelaide and GWS losses. But they lost to Melbourne by 17 points. Yeah, okay, fine. You know, three goal loss, that's pretty comfortable. Okay, fair. I'll give Melbourne that one. But they lost to the Dogs by five points. They lost to the Saints by five points. That's two wins that coin flip they could have had. They were coming against the Bombers and they're coming hard. If it wasn't for Isaac Rankin trying to center that ball, had he kicked the torpedo instead of a drop punt, they probably would have beaten us. Thank goodness he didn't do that. And Rao getting injured against Geelong. Cost them that game in round five. And they, were, they put up a pretty bold effort last night against uh, Richmond, to be fair. They were great against the Tigers. They were great. Tommy Lynch did a little bit of a tummy punch, and then that was the end of their existence. <laughs> they are more impressive than Carlton at the moment, and that's why they'll win a high-scoring game by 21 points. Ooh, uh, this is a tough one because I think both of these teams could quite easily win this and both of these teams could quite easily lose this. <laughs> mm. um, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I think one team's coming off the back of a, a very, you know, fairly good performance. Gold Coast came off, you know, the back of a, you know, a, a good battle, which they gave Richmond. And then Carlton are coming off the back of, you know, a very uh, inspirational and debatable <laughs> win against Fremantle. Um, yeah. uh, it's tough. I- I'll go Carlton as much as it pains me. I- uh, no, I'm going to make a switch. I'm going to go Gold Coast because I want it. Ooh. I'll make a switch. I'm going to go with my heart instead of my head here. Gold Ooh. Coast to win by 14 points. Because Psych! Take that, Carlton supporters. My head says otherwise, but my heart tells me to go with it. So, Gold Coast by 14 points. Gotta go with the heart, because Carlton... Yeah, well, we both don't like Carlton. I think that's the one of the few things we can agree with on football, <laughs> that we both dislike Carlton. Friday night footy at uh, Tiago Stadium. That was Saturday afternoon football at Metricon Stadium. The Dogs and the Ds. About three weeks ago, when... The dogs, I think, got pumped by Richmond and Port got, uh, Port swamped Melbourne and Essendon got crunched by Brisbane in the same round. I texted you saying that the D's, dogs, and dons were the three amigos of suck. Well, one of those three amigos of suck has graduated to being not suck, and that is Melbourne. <laughs> Congratulations, Melbourne. You are not suck anymore. However, do I think that Melbourne can maintain the rage for the rest of the year? I don't know. I don't know. They still have a young team. You know, they. I guess when you're in such a position as they were in three weeks ago, you have nothing to lose. So therefore, you play better. Maybe. At least that's what I'm telling myself because Essendon currently has nothing to lose and I'm hoping that we play better. Melbourne's going to win. It's going to be a closer game than expected because the Dogs almost always push Melbourne. There's a couple of exceptions in recent years, but it's almost always been a good game, which is why I think Melbourne escape... Uh, where's this game being played? The Gold Coast with a okay. narrow three-point win. Yeah, I'm a little bit less optimistic um, 
for my Bulldogs. I think that Melbourne just look too strong at the moment. I think, you know, they were in a very impressive run of form. Um, and I think that they're going to, unfortunately, I think they're going to do the Dogs over quite dirty. I think it's going to be about a 37-point win for the Demons. Ooh. Ooh, dang. Sorry, Doggies fans. That looks like you guys will be put in the kennel overnight, put in the doghouse, sleeping outdoors on Saturday night. Port Adelaide being told that you're a bad dog and getting no treat. Sorry, I'm so used to telling my dogs off whenever they bark. I'm getting them kind of using the same terms that I use for them. They use for these uh, for these um, for these bulldogs here. But yeah, no, look, the dogs are all right. The deeds just look really good all of a sudden, which is why we're both tipping Melbourne. Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne. The power will give the Hawks a powerful thrashing at home. <laughs> I know I did that same joke three episodes ago. I don't care. I can't think of any other power pun to use, which is why I'm using it again. It'll be by 50 points. Oof. Uh, I agree that Port Adelaide will win. I don't think it'll be quite as uh, powerful as that. <laughs> um, I think I think it will be a little bit more interesting, at least for the majority of the game. I think Port Adelaide will win uh, by twenty-two points. The power are powerful. The Hawks are pitiful. That's why I'm saying fifty points. That's my rationale, anyways. The Battle of the Sash comes to Dow, and I'm so excited for this game. I want, right, here's what I want. I want Dreamtime, Essendon v. Richmond, to be played every year in the NT. Every year. And just, you know, um, uh, uh, change it. You know, one year will be Dowen, the next year will be Alice Springs. Maybe Essendon can host the games in Dowen and Richmond can host the games in Alice Springs. Let's do this. Come on. It will be such a spectacle. It will be great. But regardless, this game is in Dowen, TIO Stadium. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I am pooping bricks for this game. I am pooping red and black bricks for this match. Um, I was just drinking out of my water bottle before all of the sweat that I sweated when I realized that Richmond was our next opponent. Um, the Dogs beat us by 42 points. The Tigers beat the Dogs by 41 points, if I remember properly. That means that Richmond will win this by about 83 points. <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite that bad. But the Tigers will win by 28 points. We haven't beaten Richmond since 2014. And I remember that dream time at the G match because Alex Rance had a kick across the defensive 50 that went off his shin. And it went directly to, I think, Dustin Fletcher who kicked a goal. And I think Damian Hardwick oh, came out and said that he kept having these rancy moments. Well, I tell you what, how the fortunes have changed. A premiership player is now Alex Rance, one of the most highly regarded defenders and divers in the competition in recent years. And Essendon have gone nowhere since then. Richmond by 28 points, and they will continue to be their red and black punching bag. Let's not forget, he is also a highly acclaimed children's book writer. Oh, sorry. Absolute. Oh, I apologize, Mr. Rance. A highly acclaimed children's author. I am so sorry. How can I forget? Uh, um, but 
Yeah, I, I was very close to giving the Dons an inspirational win, but then I remembered that they're missing half their team. To yes. <laughs> um, and it's just, you, you just can't pick them over a fairly impressive Richmond side with that many injuries. So I do agree. I think it will be reasonably comfortable for Richmond as well. I'll go Richmond by 34 points. Saying that you want to give Essendon a inspirational victory against Richmond is very kind. That's almost like saying that as the Titanic is sinking, oh, you know what? I'm tipping that the boat will somehow patch the holes itself. <laughs> nah, this ship's going down. This ship is sinking. <laughs> and Essendon at the moment, they have stopped dead in the water. Which is why the Tigers will win win comfortably yet again. Up the stadium. This game is interesting though. Up the stadium, Saturday night footy. The Dockers and the Swans, Sydney without Dane Rampey, will still win this game because Sydney's system's just too good at the moment for the Dockers. Keep in mind when both teams are really average last year, Fremantle only won by a point, by a point, by a whisker, by nothing. It's the type of margin that if you blink, you missed it. That's how small it is. Sydney this year, I think, are better than the Dockers, despite, I think, Fremantle being higher on the ladder than Sydney at the moment. Just Sydney more impressive, generally, than Fremantle, which is why Sydney will win this game by five goals. Take that, Frio. Frio, way to go. It's more like Frio, hell no. Uh, hmm. It, it's it's tough because I think both of these teams have had games where they've shown what they're capable of, and then they've both had the majority of their games where they've shown what they're more or less about. Mm. Um, but I do think that Sydney will be given the old heave ho. Um, I think that at home Fremantle will be a little bit too strong for Sydney and will win by a small margin of eight points. I think that Sydney will give Fremantle such a frightful smashing that when the Docker players are driving home and they drive past the Swan River, I hope they think of it. That's all I'm going to say. I think they're going to think of it. They're going to think of the loss that they're going to have against the Sydney Swans. Sunday, at the Adelaide Oval, Adelaide versus Geelong. Paddy's coming back. Paddy Dangerfield returning back home once again to take on the Crows. I remember in 2017 thinking after the prelim final, did Paddy make a mistake? Did Paddy make a mistake going to Geelong when Adelaide has just progressed through to the grand final? Well, two and a bit years later, three and a bit years later, Irandish, we have the answer to that question. And that is a resounding nope. Actually, it's a resounding more of his teammates probably should have joined him in Geelong. Would have made the fall from grace a lot less painful for the Crows. But anyways, uh, oh yeah, what about this game? Uh, Geelong will win by 39 points. Uh, I don't think I really have to explain myself why I'm tipping that one. Yeah, I mean, Dangerfield uh, abandoned ship at the right time, it seemed. Yeah. Looking back at it. Um, and I, I think it'll be even bigger a blowout. I think it's going to be 54 points. I think, you know, as, as much as I, I don't really like Geelong, 
I have been on their bandwagon this episode, so I can't, you know, abandon that idea now. Which so, teams yeah, do you like points. outside of Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs? Nobody really. <laughs> any, any team, any 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 team which is a threat to those two teams, which is pretty much everyone else, I don't like. Generally speaking, the teams which are below those two, which is not a lot, aren't so bad as long as they're not causing any problems for those two. How did but I know? Anyone been around and above, they're problematic. How did I know that you were going to do that? You were going to say that. Brisbane. I do like Brisbane. I do like Brisbane. The okay. way they play is exciting. Well, I'll give Brisbane a nod. They'll be put to the test. I'm so looking forward to this game. Why it's on a Sunday, I don't know. Put it on primetime <laughs> AFL. What are you doing? Sunday afternoon at the Gabba, Brisbane versus St. Kilda. Two teams currently in the top four, I think. I am so excited for this game. I can't wait. I'm like, I'm like a little kid being told that he's going to get to go to a candy shop, but only after mommy and daddy does shopping for, 30, for like three hours. Right? I've got to survive the three hours of shopping, and then I can go to the candy shop. I've got to survive the weekend of games before the Brisbane-St. Kilda game in order to enjoy the Brisbane-St. Kilda game. It's going to be a great game because it's at the Gabba. If this game was in Victoria, it would tip the Saints, hands down. But because it's at the Gabba, Brisbane will win by seven points. Charlie Cameron to kick 12 goals. King will kick 13 goals. Saints will lose a heartbreaker. Um, firstly, St. Kilda aren't in the top four. They're out on percentage. Just thought I'd note that. Okay, fine. Uh, Equal fourth. You get my point. Yeah, though. equal fourth. Missing out on percentage, we'll go with. I don't know. I, I, I'm sensing a, a minor upset here. I think St Kilda might actually get the upset of the week here. I'm going to go with St Kilda to win by 13 points. I reckon it's going to be a good game. Could be, could be a good game. Anyone looking to tip this game? Very good game. Grab a coin. Write on one side, stick a little tiny post, a tiny little, uh, tiny little note on it, and write the word lions on it. And then on the other side, do the same. Write saints. Flip it up in the air. Whichever side lands face up, tip them. Because honestly, tipping good. tipping this game that way is honestly more logical than what we're doing at the moment, trying to explain ourselves. This last game for Sunday, though, I shouldn't. We really shouldn't have to explain ourselves, right? West Coast VGWS at Optus Stadium. Eagles by 40 points. Giants are done. I'm done with them. Goodbye, GWS, for 2020. Yep. Agreed. West Coast will be too strong. 36 points for me. I think that that will make it a task for GWS to recover from. But they do, like we said, have a, a run after that of a couple of very winnable games. Um, and obviously... That obviously, I think a lot of GWS's potential chance to make finals comes down to how poorly the teams above them perform. And based on who is currently above them, there are a couple of teams susceptible to falling out. Uh, as much as it pains me to mention, the Collingwood are definitely one of those. So, yeah, but this game, looking at it on its own, uh, yeah, West Coast will be far too strong. Six goals for me. Joffa's not going to be wearing that gold jacket in 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 finals. I'm just telling you. That's all I'm saying. He won't be wearing it. 
and be there at this rate (laughs) okay good point but even still watching it he won't be wearing it because they won't be in it and all i can say is good riddance to collingwood's finals chances and to that gold jacket but speaking of collingwood monday afternoon football in queensland at the gabba i'm amazed at how the gabba turf is holding up with all this all these games same with metricon stadium very impressive makes marvel stadium's turf problems look all the more galling uh collingwood versus north melbourne at the gabba could be a danger game for the pies could be a danger game for the pies because north melbourne nearly beat brisbane they nearly beat brisbane and I know that there was a goal after the siren to Zaha, so really the margin was like actually seven points instead of what it was at one point. Like, I get it. But still, they nearly beat Brisbane. Brisbane are better than Collingwood. So that means I'm tipping North Melbourne. No, it's not. I'm tipping Collingwood in a close one by 19 points. In a battle of the vertical stripes, the white and black team will beat the white and royal blue team. And also, somebody change one of those jumpers, please. I had a little Every bit of variety, is... for goodness sakes. I honestly, I, I, when I got my first footy card album in 2009, I honestly thought that there were two Collingwood players on there because I was new to football and I didn't know that Brent Harvey was a North Melbourne player. I thought there were two Collingwood players on there because their jumpers are so similar. And I'm also a little colorblind. But just change it, please. Help the colorblind people. Yeah, every game at the moment, though, is a banana skin for Collingwood. The way we're playing, we're susceptible to anybody beating us. Similarly with Essendon, I think. Uh, it's, I think we will win because I want us to win. Um, but I think it's going to be just like the other wins we've had recently where it's going to be unconvincing. And it's going to have to be because we have an impressive five or ten minute run where we managed to look like the team that we were two seasons ago and also at parts last year. Um, I'll go with Collingwood by 14 points, but I don't think it's going to be by any means uh, a good performance. Do you think Collingwood will ever change to a class jumper that actually looks a lot different than their normal jumper? <laughs> well, uh, while Eddie Maguire's president, probably not. Because as far as he's concerned, only one team's wearing the prison bars. Yep. And apparently also, according to him, the magpie belongs to Collingwood. I did not know that you could copyright an animal. But there you are. Thank you, Liam, my friend, for joining me once again for this episode of Through the Banner Podcast. Good luck for Collingwood on Monday. I hope you guys don't win. But I hope it's a good game. I, I Okay, I hate to break it to you, but any game that Collingwood plays lately generally isn't a good game. Close game, yes. Good game, no. <laughs> well, okay, sorry. Before we go, let's discuss this, right? I don't like it when people say that a low-scoring game is a bad game. Because if it's close, it's a close game, and a close game is a good game. I agree. I'll give you an example of the opposite of that, of a high-scoring blowout. Round 1, 2016. West Coast won, I think, 166 against Brisbane, 102. Very high-scoring game. A lot of goals. A lot of, lot of action, a lot of back and forth. But a blowout. Compare that yeah. to round two, 2020. Collingwood-Richmond, 36-36. Draw. Which game would I rather watch? Give me the Tom Lynch miss from 10 meters out every single day of the week. Thank you, dear listener, 
for listening in to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Hope to see you slash uh, listen to, no, Thank see you. you next week, even though this is a podcast. I really got to figure out how to end this podcast. Speak to you next week. Yeah, speak to you. There you go. <laughs> pretend that didn't happen. Um, pretend that last little bit didn't happen. Hope to speak to you next week. I mean, I know I'm going to speak to you. Do you know what? I'm just going to, anyways. Bye. <laughs>